Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast. I'm excited today to have on Dell Didway. I discovered Dell on Twitter, and I noticed he was interviewing some of my favorite athletes from my favorite teams, most notably the Reds, for better or for worse, and uh, started looking into some of his work, and he had written a lot of books, and he uh, was more intrigued on how he got access to, to interview such really cool athletes. And so reached out to him, and he graciously did this podcast, learned a lot about how he got a start, but also about some of the message and how important it is to him and and how he kind of keeps uh, in contact with, with these great baseball players and other athletes. Um, but again, the, the, the mindset and the drive that he has and the message that he wants to bring to his audience and his faith uh, really stood out to me. So I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that he wanted to sit down and do this interview. So with that, let's get right down to it. All right, so now I'm excited to bring on Del Didway. And yes, I'm pronouncing that right. I had to ask a couple times. So if you see the show notes, you're like, how is this Didway? Del, how is that? But what 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 is the what's the background on the on the last name? It is it is French. Okay. In Southern Ohio lingo, it's pronounced Didway. In in French, it's pronounced Dudui. And our family was part of the French five hundred that settled this area. So we have a long history of our ancestors and our relatives being being from the southern Ohio, uh, Scioto County, Lawrence County area because we have a whole cemetery of uh, settlers uh, from France. <clears throat> oh wow, huh? And so, are you still in Ohio? Born and raised here in Scioto County, Ohio, which is about two hours south of Columbus, Ohio, two hours east of Cincinnati. Okay, right along the Ohio River. Okay. Very nice. I'm in Cincinnati quite a bit. My sister lives there. And okay. To Columbus. I'm, a, I'm there quite a bit, too, because I cover all the Bengals games, and I go down to a lot of Reds games, so I'm in Cincinnati quite a bit. Oh, so you like watching people lose. <laughs> I, okay, not that this is... Right. Yeah. Now this has to be a part of the podcast, but lifelong Reds fans at uh, this Wetrick household, and uh, oh, it's hard sometimes. I go cover the Reds, I go cover the Indians and the, and the Pirates, and I go to all the Bengals home games So um, and go cover them. So uh, I try to be, uh, don't have a, I don't have a dog in a fight, but um, it's, it was, it's been a, it was a bad year this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I'll, maybe off, uh, off podcast, we can talk about the retirement of Marty Brenneman at, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was here uh, a couple weeks ago. He, that was the end of my childhood. Uh, boy, a lot, a lot of evenings spent with the transistor radio underneath my pillow on West Coast games. They'd tell my parents, Donnie, go to bed. They'd be playing the Dodgers, and I'd wait till one in the morning for Marty to say, this one belongs to Red. So anyway. All right, go ahead. No, sorry, I'm I'm having too much fun. So uh, let's cut to the chase there. You're like, okay, I, I cover a lot of sports. That led to an idea that has grown something else. So Tell me about your chapter one, so to speak. How, you know, where, like, what, what is it you're working on? Want to unveil that? And then uh, start talking about how you found those opportunities and start putting one and one together. Well, it's kind of an, an unusual uh, story. Um, it's been a fast story. Um, growing out, right out of college, I went to Ohio University. And right out of college many years ago, my first job was a sports writer at our local paper. Funnest job I ever had in the world. Even today, I would say it's the it's the funnest job I've ever ever had. Would like to get back into it full time, but anyway, 
long story short is, you know, being working in the local media, uh, you don't make a lot of money. That's part of the downfall. Um, the, the, that's part of the negativity of it. The, the good part is it's fun. So I was in television, radio, newspaper, and then my kids came along and, and realized that we had to eat. So um, I sought, you know, some other employment and got out of the media, um, got into pharmaceutical sales, which has been a good career, but um, I'm, I'm trying to find inroads to get out of it. But about four years ago, and, and I, I, I did some writing here and there. I would do some writing for like Sports Spectrum magazine and a couple others just to dabble into it, but always enjoyed writing. Um, never, ever thought about having a book, you know, having several books out now, but um, about four years ago, our family um, went through a little, uh, well, kind of a major family uh, a tragedy. And um, and my wife suggested at the time that I, start, that I write about it and I blog about it. So um, so I put together this manuscript, just kind of formed, you know, I just started writing about it. And you know, 50,000 words later, I have this manuscript. And I don't know what to do with it. I have no idea. I have no contacts. So I reached out on LinkedIn. I had no social media except for LinkedIn. Um, this was four years ago. So I, I reached out to this person that had, had a similar background to mine. And um, I didn't know her. And uh, she re- she responded. And we started talking. And um, she made some suggestions to me to, you know, to to develop a website. And I did that. And to start writing regularly and I did that and put you know to go to a writer's conference so I did that and we finally met up and then a couple of weeks later went to another conference down in Florida that's where I met who's my agent now and his idea was to uh, um, write a a sports devotional like an inspirational motivational book on baseball and football <clears throat> so I came back came back home and uh, you know, got in touch with our with a local paper. I started doing more stories for them, kind of a part time basis, and I would gain access to you know, some of these big big time players. So I uh, started going to the Reds games, uh, started going to the Indians games, and meeting and talking to you know very prominent, well known professional baseball players, and getting their stories down, their inspirational stories, and this all formed into a book another manuscript. And so, and in the meantime, my agent suggested I write a book about Ohio State base, about Ohio State football. So I did that. I just, I just you know, pumped this book out and was able to get, you know, Coach Tressel, Jim Tressel, uh, to write the forward for it. It's called Buckeye Believer. And so that took off really well. Then the baseball book finally took off. And then we launched um, a book called First Down Devotions, which is the NFL's version. Uh, where I met some of the biggest names in, in football. Um, I hooked up with an organization that sent me to the Super Bowl. They sent me to the Final Four. And I started meeting all these you know, athletes and getting their stories, one-on-one um, conversations that I was able to get to. And that's that's where I am today. I mean, I've, I've, I've written, I have five books out now in the last three years. We're working on a sequel to um, Dugout Devotions, Volume 2. And then First Down Devotions, Volume 2. And then my agent is from Michigan. He played at Michigan. So, you know, I had to write a Michigan book with him, which was hard to write. But I did it because I'm a Buckeye. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> wow, yeah. crossing over. 
It's enemy yeah, territory. And that comes out in July. And then we have a book on Alabama football and Auburn football coming out um, right before the season starts this year. And we're going to release those together, kind of a rivalry book uh, uh, down down in Birmingham. So that's what we got going on. There's probably a lot of confusion. Probably had a lot of questions. So because I threw a lot at you there. And um, yeah, well, so I, I've got to ask on the on the football side was was part of that with the the long arm of of Tony Dungy at all? I, I met up with Dungy. Um, we met up at the Super Bowl. Um, did get a whole lot of time with him, but um, he's not in the book. Um, we weren't able to secure you know a very lengthy um, interview. It was more handshake, good to meet you kind of thing. But uh, yeah. I've got I've got I guess some really really big names in both. Um, dug out in first down and so the thing i love about that story <clears throat> first of all a lot of people give a lot of advice and even good advice taking it and running with it is something yeah. that about 10 percent of people do um you know what you should start you start writing more and start a website okay you know you should yeah. start going to a conference and learning your craft more okay you know you should start getting more into that like i that was the the first part that was impressive to me. I, like you took people's advice and followed it. Well, I, I did it in a in a short amount of time. I mean, I met. She's now a very good friend of mine. In fact, we were talking today. Uh, we're going into business together, but I didn't know her from Adam. I didn't. I just reached out to her and I said, "Hey, I got some advice. Or I need some advice on writing." And then we she re- reconnected with me, and now we're. She's like my sister now. We're that close, and we're writing a book together. She's this—I didn't realize how big of a of a superstar she is in the writing world. I mean, she sold like four million books, and um, like 110 published books. So now we're doing a book together, and um, yeah, we're like we're like you know, her and her husband, and we all get together and go to a res game and meet up and have dinner. So um, we're yeah, she gave me advice and I took it. My my agent says the same thing. He will meet with potential authors and he'll tell them, Hey, send me a proposal. And he said roughly what you said about 30% of them will go back and send it to him. They just don't do it. Um, you know, he, he will tell me that he'll suggest I do something. And like, like a week later, I'll call him back and say, it's done. And so he likes me to wait because he'll tell, he tells publishers and other editors that, I don't, that I do things. I just get it done. And that is one of the pitfalls of people in the, in the, um, writing world is they, they won't. I mean, a great example of that was, um, I was at a conference in Florida and, uh, you know, and you meet up with people and you talk to them, you talk and you get conversations going. And this one lady told me this project she was doing. So lo and behold, the next year, you know, 365 days later, we go back to the same conference and I said, so how's that project you're working on? And she said, well, I've, I've just been reevaluating it. And I said, Oh, so you haven't done anything with it. You know, I just cut to the chase. You haven't done anything. And well, I wanted to step back. I said, no, you haven't done anything. You just, you just let it go. So I don't let grass grow. I, I, I get things done and um, I have a deadline. I always get them done before that. And I'm approaching a deadline now. So, and what you touched on is true. People don't do things. And so that's what, that's what Kyle likes what I do. Cause um, he'll give me a suggestion and I'll wrote one publisher um, 
didn't think I could do what I did with with this baseball book. And he, he was kind of saying, "Yeah, go go get a, get all these interviews." And he kind of rolled his eyes at me. And then about five months later, he said he called me and he said, "Did you really do this?" And I said, "Yeah, I got to Albert Pujols and I got to Aaron Judge and I got to Ben Zobrist and I got to Brian Dozier, I got to all these guys, and I talked to them one on one, and they were just blown away by it." So let me go into that though. I mean, cause like, um, there's, there's a part of me that is like, okay, why, why is that now? <clears throat> other than you setting hard deadlines or you being accountable to yourself, uh, like I was trying to put myself in, into the lady's shoes of like, I, I've reassessed something. You're like, no, you didn't do anything. What was your comparative advantage? Was it that like you made this your job? Um, were, were you working a side job or was this like, I'm in it to win it and you were married and your wife was, uh, covering the tracks or, cause you know, I, I hear a lot <clears throat> and, and sometimes they're excuses, but sometimes I'm trying to think, okay, like, but then what's your comparative advantage? Cause like, I remember, um, you know, when we started and, and one of the reasons why I like Adam Grant is like when they say, you know, entrepreneurs, these risk takers, no, no, they're not. Like they're the most pragmatic people ever. And oftentimes some of the, some of the people that I've met with and interviewed and even in my own situation, when I've started some side ventures, I always had coverage, right? So I'm like, Hey, Alicia, it's your turn to get the insurance or, you know, and, 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 and we made time. So yeah, let's dig into what your comparative advantage was. And, and so people might be able to look at that and replicate it. No, I mean, I, I had and still have a full-time job. So I was doing this on my own time. I was, and I'd get done with, with work on a Friday and I'd drive to Cleveland and four hours away and, and grab a hotel room and go to a game the next day and then come home that night. And, and I was really, um, I was busting my can, so to speak, as what I was doing and going to Bengals games and, uh, on Sundays and, and, uh, keeping late hours, getting, getting, getting these books finished because I was inspired because that's just how I am. I mean, um, I, I, um, once I have an assignment, uh, so to speak, I, I just get it done and that's just how I am. It's just how I'm wired. Uh, my wife, you know, she also has a full-time job. We have grandkids. We, we, we help each other. We help each other out. There was a lot of times I was gone, uh, you know, driving, down to Cincinnati a lot and driving to Cleveland a lot and driving to Pittsburgh and uh, going to conferences. So it was all my own time. So uh, I, I had a 40 hour a week job and then uh, I found time to, had to carve out time. If I had a game at seven o'clock in Cincinnati, I would try to cut out early, get down there before three, three thirty, and, uh, and get my interviews done. So um, it was, it was a very um, hectic <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> Well, no, I, I I love hearing that. And at the same time, you know, you kind of, I don't want to say you called the lady out. You're like, oh, so you didn't do anything. Uh, in some ways, like that was the worst answer I could have gotten. In some ways, it's the best. I was hoping part of you were like, yeah, my, my wife makes really good money. And I took that year off and I just made deadlines. And I just, I, you know, I got up in the morning and I read and then I wrote and then I took a long nap in the afternoon and then I'd have it done. So you know, and because, and in some ways, because like you can listen to that and go, well, well, I wish my wife had a good job or whatever. But no, you had a full time job and you kept a schedule. Uh, yes, and I, I just had to get it done. And there were a lot of times I didn't get my sleep. I get home from a game at 
nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I, that yeah. was, oh, I am, but I would just write it out. I would just have to get it out. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Okay. I just took her down and did it. Okay. So compared to advantage number two, gaining access to Albert Pujols, Aaron Judge, you know, these people you listed, obviously a part of that, I'm sure a big part of that was the, the background in sports writing, but, um, if you wanted to replicate and it doesn't have to be in the sports field, but like what else got you at the front of the line, so to speak, um, in this kind of line? Well, I mean, cause I, I do, I do keep up my, my sports writing and my media credentials. So that played a key role where I can just walk into a clubhouse. Not everybody can do that. And I can, you know, walk in the Bengals game after or walk in their locker room or go in the visitors locker room cause they probably won. And, um, and, and talk to, 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 to players. I would also do game coverage, but I would also get my interviews done. And a lot of times I would do research before, you know, I would have to look at the schedules, who's going to be where. And sometimes during the first bout with it, I would be in um, Cincinnati on a Friday night and maybe the angels were in town in Cleveland for one weekend. So I'd have to drive to Cleveland on that Saturday and, you know, gain access there or the Yankees come in town two days out of the year. So you have to, you have to be there for that. So I had high sacrifice a little bit, miss some things back, back home. Um, not, you know, nothing major if it was something major. In fact, a, a very funny story about, about that was uh, <clears throat> two years ago, my oldest son was getting married and he, um, uh, which was great because uh, we, we didn't think it ever happened, but it did. So anyway, um, the, the weekend before I'm at the Indianapolis 500, uh, some of the trials, cause it's, you know, being in Indy, I, 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 I love to go to, to the 500 and I've been going to that and covering that for years. So I'm at Indy on a, uh, on a weekend, the weekend before and I get a kidney stone attack. I've never had one in my life <laughs> and I didn't know what it was. And they were talking. Oh, so, yeah. So I'm I have, <laughs> oh, it's awful. So it was seven centimeters. So anyway, um, I, I, you know, long story short is, is I go, I come back home on a Tuesday and I have another attack and my son's getting married on Saturday and the race is on Sunday. Right. So, um, the, I met with our urologist who said, I told him what was going on that weekend. He goes, well, if you don't pass it by Thursday, I'll, I'll go get it. I said, great. I pass it on Wednesday. Friday night, we have the uh, rehearsal dinner. Saturday, we have the wedding. It gets over. You know, we get done about 10, about 10 o'clock at night. The race is the next day, right? So I drive all. I just say, I'm I'm leaving. Uh, I left my home at midnight, drove through it, you know, drove through the night, and got, got to the track about four in the morning and covered the race. So that was a long weekend for me. As a guy that has passed two kidney stones um, and, and you're weak for a couple of days. Uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a rough weekend. Uh, a rough weekend. I never would say it to a woman's face. Um, it, but luckily a woman was the one that told me, uh, cause I a lady <laughs> was empathizing. She's like, those are just as bad as, as childbirth. And I'm like, several- okay. and I'm like, I would never admit that. Cause I, I have no comparison, but the lady says, Oh, it's as bad as childbirth. I'm like, okay. Cause I thought it was pretty, yeah. pretty freaking awful. <laughs> I had two nurses say that one nurse said I've had two stones and two kids 
I'll take the I'll take the kids any day. Well, and it's funny because like the same thing the lady said to me. She's like, at least you know there's a happy ending uh, yeah. at the end of your pregnancy. When you're at the end of your, I'll use her words. When you uh, when you pass your stone, you look at it, and you're like, are you kidding me? That's that it. it? Yeah. <laughs> that thing caused that. Oh well. Anyway, oh, yeah. I probably should circle back. This isn't uh, kidney yeah. stone talk, but uh, I, I empathize. Uh, no, I. So again. You know, what I'm hearing and, and what I really want to pass on to the audience is, is that um, I like to take away excuses so I can look at myself in the mirror. And so, you know, if it's like, well, I don't have access to Aaron Judge. Right. You don't. What do you like? What's your area already? What is your joy? Uh, you know, because like right now there's somebody that might like Aaron Judge but doesn't have access to him. Well, great. What's your hobby? What's your joy? And mm-hmm. you just kind of surmised your situation and you maximized it, which, you know, it's just, it's key to everything. As a person that taught kids for a long time, that was our mantra. Opportunities are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and like we walked around actually a funny sports story for you. Cause you're a sports guy. You'll enjoy this. It's one of my favorite stories ever. Um, actually wrote about it in, in our book. I, mm-hmm. We had, this was the first year that um, they opened up an audience for the Super Bowl media day. It was in Indianapolis. And so they had this crazy idea that they would sell tickets and you'd sit your butt down and watch people getting interviewed. Now, it sounds like a horrible idea, but I was like, you know what? Um, That kind of gets us in. Let's buy tickets. Because I I was the um, television uh, station director at a high school. Uh, actually, it was a television station. It was, it was, it was a media program. Right. It's, but we had, you know, we had a nice over-the-shoulder mount cam. We had a boom operator. You know, wear your blazer. Let's wear, you know, let, let's let's bring our, you know, XLR mics and we'll see what happens. And um, I just kept telling them, opportunities everywhere. And so we, we at first, were starting to interview anybody that looked official. I'm talking like, at first, it was the people in the NFL vests that were there yeah. to make sure the day was good. And then, then all of a sudden, we... Um, talk to some local, you know, Fox and CBS affiliates and NBC affiliates. And, and at the end, like, Hey, you're doing a really good job. And I'm like, you have, do you have a, do you have field credentials? And they're like, no, I'm like, okay, next. And so yeah. we just, long story made short, we were, we were starting to interview some really cool people from Adam Schefter to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, like some former NFL players, but these were all people outside the arena. Mm-hmm. Then as fate would have it, I had watched on 60 Minutes the week before um, Demore Smith on how he was the second most popular man in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Well, no one knows who Demore Smith is. Like, no one. And he was just walking around fairly anonymously. And I was like, I, my student was like, oh my gosh, Tyler, grab that guy. And he's like, why? And he was in a blazer, but he didn't look official. He didn't have a security detail. I'm like, that's the NFL Players Association president. Mm-hmm. He's like, Okay. And so he goes, I go, his name is Demora Smith. So this kid calls out. He's like, Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith, I would like to interview you. He doesn't even look up, keeps walking. He goes, sorry, boys, today's about the athletes, not about me. And then just like a Coca-Cola ad with Mean Joe Green, he just screams out, I'm just a kid. Mm -hmm. And He stops and he turns around and he sees a young man wearing a blazer nice microphone. He sees another boom operator. He sees a camera operator and he sees a teacher who has this, please, I'll do anything look on his face. And he goes, okay. And Tyler just went into, he was a professional and I was so daggone proud of him. 
and impressed. And so, uh, you know, he interviewed him on, on what would happen to Peyton. Is he going to come back to Indy and some of these other questions. But in the end, he thanked him for being on. And he said, um, he goes, are these your students? And I'm like, yeah, thank you so much. He goes, well, I am really impressed. He says, I can't wait for you to talk to the players. Good luck. And I go, well, that's the funny thing. Uh, we don't have a field pass. He goes, mm -hmm. oh, he gets out his card, writes on the back of it, says, okay. I want you to go security gate five. <laughs> and you know how the rest of the story ends. He's like, if they give you any gruff, call me. I'll, you know, I basically know the password. And um, it, unfortunately, security took way too long. But, you know, 45 minutes later, we we're on the field talking to the players. And I just loved it because we had no, no reason to be out there. But we kept our eyes open. And we thought we at least looked the role. And, and I always use that as they, you know, don't take, like, don't tell me your excuses. And I kept telling the kids that day, I'm like, we're going to get in there. How? I don't know, but we're going to. <laughs> I will awesome. cherish that day for the rest of my life. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> that's funny. That's a, that's a good story. So uh, anyway, that that's, um yeah, going back, I, I, I just like how you already took <laughs> your profession you leveraged it. You came up with an idea. You bounced it off somebody. They gave you advice. You followed that advice. They end up, yeah. you end up becoming partners with the people that gave you advice. It's all, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a great story. So, and, and quite frankly, what I also, I think we glossed over is that you're a machine. You said five books in three years? Yeah, I've been able to have um, five books published in three years. Mercy. Which is, I guess, uh, very uncommon. And we have three this year launches planned, and three next year in 2021. And then we're starting um, starting a couple of more series of books uh, after that. So we're, you know, we're excited. I mean, these are already written, and um, we're, we just got the uh, like the one in Michigan is July 7th where I released that book, and uh, we're gonna go to Michigan and. and and to do some PR up there and some fun events. Now the, the, the dugout book has been out for almost a year. It's been phenomenal. And we had, you know, I've become friends with some of these guys that I've met. Um, like Clint Hurdle, the manager of the, of the pirates. Well, the former, he just, he, he got let go recently, but um, Clint's a great guy. We did a book signing up in Pittsburgh. He, you know, he, he agreed to come down to a Barnes and Noble and donate two hours of his time and sit and sign books with me. So these are folks I've met. Um, we're working on a big one for um, first down devotions. We think we have a really, <laughs> really, really big name. And I want to say right now, but uh, it's a name everybody knows. Even if you don't like football, you don't know this name. So um, we're working on that one. So it's just been some great contacts and, and friendships I've made. I don't, I don't take it for granted or use them. Um, I, I stay in touch with Clint a couple of times a year, but we are friends. So, and I have emails of, uh, and some agents, uh, phone numbers and emails that I reach out to occasionally. Um, it is persistence and it's doing things right and following rules. Like I got to Aaron judge when the Yankees told me, no, I couldn't talk to him, but I got 10 minutes with him anyway. And, um, it took and, and me, what, what was the value at? I mean, like, why, why did he, in your opinion, why he's like, no, let's do this. Uh, well, well, with, with Aaron, well, Aaron fit, he fit the um, he fit what I was wanting to do with with dugout devotions. His character 
and what he stands for. And so I wanted to get to Aaron judge because at that time he was the biggest name of baseball. And, um, I reached out to the Yankees and, uh, typically I don't do that, but for a big, you know, like the Yankees or Dodgers, you try to get permission you try to get the right channels. And the Yankees told me, no, he was in too much demand and, you know, he couldn't spare 10 minutes. So, and I get that they, they protect their players. And so I get that. So I wasn't offended or mad or anything, but they told me no. So I, the Yankees are in town. So I drive to Cleveland and, um, walk in the clubhouse and lo and behold, there's Aaron Judge sitting at a table by himself on a cell phone. And I just walk up to him. I said, you got a few minutes? Well, sure. Sit down. So, you know, so he <laughs> went, no, I went up and did it. Oh, and, uh, I love that. Yeah. And it took me, um, I was, Tim Tebow was in town in Columbus this past year with the Mets and it took me and I went back and counted all the text messages and all the emails, uh, about 23 correspondence, uh, with the guy who handles the uh, media. And lo and behold, I was the only one allowed personally to talk to Tim by himself, by ourselves. So I got it. Yeah. was able to get an exclusive with Tim Tebow, um, because I went through the right channels. Well, yeah, I think the other nice thing is, and, and I'm not saying this to discredit you in any way, shape or form, um, but the people you're looking for uh, have a common thread here. Like you're going and and finding the guys that are centered. I mean, they look at your body work like, okay, impossible faith, dugout devotions, first down devotions. Oh, okay. Okay. I see what you're doing. Awesome. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not asking for. Oh, I'm not going to say any bad names. The the wide receiver uh, diva, who <laughs> is all about him. You're looking for the guy that's you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> the, the people that you would suspect. So and, right. and 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 when when you're like, hey, this is our mission and this is our vision, I I can see why they go, yeah, man, that's cool. Well, it, it does, but at the same time, I'm competing with. You know, I'm there at the same time that that all the other people are are there, like. After a Bengals game, everybody's there, you know, uh, all the local and, and they're working on their deadlines. So they're trying to get the stories, too. But I figure, you know, they're only I I'll, I will see if it got if, you know, one time you know, Pittsburgh comes to town. So I get one shot at these guys. Yeah. Until next year. So I, I have the same mentality like, hey, I know you have a job. So do I. And I've been able to to get. You know, one great story about this was uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's a you know very he's a huge name with the Texans, great wide receiver. Um, I, he had a great game in Cincinnati. I go down to the locker room and I go over to you know where he's getting uh, getting changed, and I was the first one there. And I said, "Hey, Mr. Hopkins, I want to talk to you about your faith." He goes, "Yeah, man, sure, I'd love to talk about that." And by that time, all the other media had gathered in behind me and they're kind of shoving me around. They're pushing. <laughs> to get and so they asked him about, you know, certain, you know, what, what he was thinking on third down, blah, blah, blah. And he says, excuse me, if I'm talking to this gentleman about my faith right now. And so somebody else blurts <laughs> out some, some question. He goes, I told you, I'm talking to this gentleman right here first. You guys can stick around if you want. But I'm going to talk to him first. <laughs> so that's what my agent says. I have the favor of God on me or something because I, I'm able to get guy <laughs> and I'm able to get, I mean, like I was able to. Um, well, and you're a break for the norm. I mean, yeah, I, they, like, told me that. yeah. Um, I mean, I'd look forward to talking to you. 
like you know exactly what you're gonna say like all right we're either gonna talk about we blew the you know yeah. fourth down lead or yes i dropped the ball or yes i caught that pass and i'm gonna answer that in 15 different ways you know what i i, I want to talk to this guy it's, yeah. it's a break from the norm that's awesome it is fun uh, albert pujol said it too because he said because it was right in his 600 chase me which he was chasing 600 and I told him what I was to talk about. He goes, man, he's, I'm sick and tired of asking about, uh, about answering home run questions. And I said, well, I'm not going to ask you those. So uh, we, we, we had a good <laughs> chance. So, um, I mean, I, I do my, my, my game stuff too, but I also take that opportunity to, to, to interview him. And uh, I've, you know, I've got some, some, some big names, but what I was going to say about, about Jim Trestle, the former coach of the Buckeyes, I didn't know Jim Trestle. He didn't know me, but I was able to get to him, show him what I had, to the point where he wrote the foreword to the book without knowing me because he liked what he read. Mm. And that was just persistence and how I got to him and um, being persistent without being pushy. I mean, I sent him a text and he wouldn't respond for three weeks and I sent him another text and finally he would respond. So, um, you know, Jim wrote the foreword for my book because, and then you know, we, he knows who I am now, obviously, but before that, he didn't know who the heck Dale was. And but when I got to him, presented what I had, which it, you know, he read it, sent me a text. Hey, I like this. I will write the forward to this. This is really good. And I was an unpublished author. That was my first book. So for him to, um, you know, like that well enough to put his name on it. Yeah. Because people see that book and my name's at the bottom, and they'll say, "Who the heck's Dale?" But oh, I know Jim Tressel. <laughs> You know, and that helps them, that lends credibility to the book. And they'll think, you know, Jim Trestle puts his name on this. This is probably pretty good. So, uh, and I've been able to get that on a a lot of my books. I've been able to get some big names to endorse it and to write forwards for the book. And it's been a real blessing. And so um, it's just been fortunate because I, one's, I think it's how I approach it, you know. And I, and I teach classes on that now, how to get the big interview, how to, uh, I go to these writing conferences and now I'm teaching at them how to land the big interview. If it's a sports, if it's a, if it's a movie star or whoever you want to try to get to, you can get to them, but there are certain ways to do it and certain ways to talk to them. And I give classes on that. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I, uh, I love hearing those stories. I, uh, I had a guy on not too long ago that that was the book. It literally was, he had this incredible story uh, on how he won, like literally to fund his idea to interview all these people, he had to win the prices right. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, like literally he had it down to a science. He had done all this research on how to win prices right. And mm-hmm. uh, on it if he didn't go out there and he did it, um, which got him enough money to go out to Omaha and, uh, interviewed the sage of Omaha and uh, oh. from, from there he, you know, got his blessing and then I think went out and then after Warren Buffett, I think it was Bill Gates. And so it was, it was kind of crazy, but I think part of the people just opening up the door is, Hey, look, I won the prices right challenge to be here today, <laughs> yeah. which I think is just genius. I mean, he, he had more savvy than just that, but I've got to, I got to be honest with you. I think that that opened up a lot of doors. I think yeah. that was one of the coolest things ever. Yeah, and so you know, one of the things like the other the other day, we were uh, we were down at the uh, at the Bengals game, and the Patriots were in town. They don't come to town too too often, and so um, getting to Brady is is 
holy cow, it was, <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Never seen tighter security ever. And I've met, you know, I've met two presidents and <laughs> getting the Tom Brady was, so anyway, after the, after the press conference, I, I'm, I'm walking out, Tom's walking out and, uh, and he's got his entourage there with him. And I said, Hey Tom, I, I said, uh, my literary, I called him Mr. Brady. I said, Mr. Brady, my literary agent played with you up at Michigan. And that guy had to stop. Oh yeah. Who's that? So I told him his name. Oh yeah. I hadn't seen him in years. How's he doing? Great. I said, you know, he said, hi. He said, Hey, can we get it? He asked me if I can get a pick with you. Well, sure. Let, sure. Let's do that. So just things like that, you know, common, find a common ground. Um, I had a common ground with Ben Roethlisberger and that breaks the ice a little bit when you talk to him. And um, so that the biggest, you know, mistake people make is treating these guys like celebrities and treating them, you know, and act like a fan. They, they hate that. They hate that. So yeah. if you, if you treat them normal, and like Ben Roethlisberger's pastor's dad went to our church. So that was my icebreaker. And he said, oh, yeah. I said, how's he doing? Well, I said, well, he passed a couple of years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and that establishes a little bit of trust with you. And because, you know, I don't care what they say. They they all are leery of the media, every, every athlete is. So, oh, sure. they, yeah, so they're, they're, they're on guard and they have people that's with them to listen to you, make sure you're on the up and up. So. So I always try to find a common ground and break the ice with them a little bit. That always helps. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's solid advice. I, I, yeah, I, I love, um, love what you're doing. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, you had a skill set. you're following a passion, took some advice, took it to the letter of the law, uh, grew it, built it, and then they're cranking it. And so, uh, yeah. First down devotions, dugout devotions, Buckeye mm -hmm. believer, having impossible faith, bingo believer, yeah. Uh, check it out. Um, you know, obviously you can find all this on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, are you more active on LinkedIn? Or I mean, ironically enough, I'm on LinkedIn way more nowadays than Twitter because I just, uh, the political thing, I'm done. Uh, but I, I, I think, ironically enough, didn't we connect on Twitter? I think it's where yes, we connected. I, I am on LinkedIn. I'm not as much on LinkedIn, even though that's where I met, who's now my friend, because that was the only thing I had back then. I had no Facebook, no social, no Twitter, no nothing three years ago. And um, I, I just post my blogs on LinkedIn because that's more business. And sometimes I, I don't even post those if they are political. And I do post some political blogs once in a while. I won't post those on LinkedIn because I don't think it's a that's a good form for that. So, but I, I will I will always post my my inspirational ones, and they're not always about sports. Like tomorrow's um, blog, I post every Tuesday morning. Um, tomorrow's blogs about. Um, um, my, my dad, it's kind of a long story, but when, when he passed and, and how we went to celebrate life, because we're, we're very active in the pro-life movement. So um, how I, how he died, but we still went to the march. And so we celebrated death and life at the same time. So it gets kind of difficult, but I post those inspirational ones on LinkedIn, but I, I I'll, Twitter, I have met some wonderful friends on Twitter. I've, I've, uh, I've had to block a lot of people on Twitter, but I've met some good folks on Twitter who are now lifelong friends. And it's been really um, a, an interesting ride. I mean, uh, I, I'm on a, a YouTube show every Tuesday night that reaches thousands of people because I met a fella on Twitter who, yes. who does, will be on PatriotJournalist.com tomorrow night at 8, at 830. So, uh, you know, we're best and met you through Twitter. So this has been. <laughs> Can't be a lot bad. I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's years awesome. Ago, I had no social media, zero. Now I've got twenty thousand followers on Twitter. It's crazy. Yeah.
Well, as a testament to listening yeah. to sages and doing work. And so, yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, any other places they can find you? You're on Twitter, you're on um, LinkedIn. Again, the way he spells his name is Dell, D E L. And then the last name, uh, the, the, the spelling is D U D U I T. Mm-hmm, and right. so uh, you can find them. And then obviously, you know, you got you got your Amazon page, uh, your, your homepage, your website. What, what do we got here? It's uh, DellDidway.com. Yeah. And uh, I'm on Instagram, but I, I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not really an Instagram guru yet. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, and we, you know, we, we teach a world faculty with a serious writer.com, uh, a serious writer incorporated. My agent runs that. His name's Kyle Young. And uh, we, we're here to help and try to encourage uh, authors because that's what yeah. we like to do. And we're look, we have a conference coming up in March in uh, North Carolina. Then we're going to New York for a book show. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's got to me to where I'm, I'm trying to get out of my job and try to find something more fun to do. So <laughs> love it. Love yeah. it. From side hustle to hustling <laughs> hard, man. I love it. Well, Dell, thank you so much for being on your show. Your story is incredible. And uh, I think it's just a really great example of um, how to really move things forward. And uh, man, just continued success. And I cannot wait when you come out to Indianapolis and uh, we'll connect. Thank you. 